Welcome to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores the world of English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Each episode, we bring you voices from across the ELL community to discuss the issues that matter most. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. How do we engage English language learners in community programs? What supports are effective in helping immigrant students thrive beyond the school walls? How might we partner with outside organizations to create mutually beneficial programs for communities and newcomers? We dive into these questions and much more as we continue our series on family and community engagement with Anna Leversey. Anna manages the Enroute program in Somerville, Massachusetts. Enroute's mission is to empower immigrant youth to achieve academic, career, and personal success through inspiring out-of-school experiences. A firm believer in quality education for all, Anna is energized by working with people who volunteer their time and talents to make this goal a reality. We chat with Anna about the power of partnering with community organizations to help immigrant youth reach their highest aspirations. Let's get started. Welcome to Highest Aspirations, Anna. Could you start by giving us a high-level overview of what Enroute is doing in our schools and communities? Absolutely. Thanks so much for talking with me today. So Enroute is an after-school program. We work in Cambridge and Somerville with Cambridge Ringe and Latin School and Somerville High School. And at a really high level, Enroute's mission is to empower immigrant youth to achieve academic, career, and personal success through inspiring out-of-school experiences. So that's a mouthful. What does it really mean? On a a more sort of human level, Enroute is working with students who are all English language learners, and we're helping students build confidence, recognize skills they already have, learn new skills, to stay strong in high school, set goals for themselves, and put a plan in place so that when they graduate from high school, they can take the steps they need to reach those goals and dreams. So that's what we're doing with our, with our students. I think you, you raise community, and that's a really interesting part of our program. We are students first. That's one of our, our key core values. And at the same time, we work with a really big number of community volunteers, mentors, and tutors, and think it's a really important part of our work to engage people living in Cambridge and Somerville, working in Cambridge and Somerville, with the students who are their neighbors, who go to school down the street, and really view our role as as an important one in connecting people who are interested in building a supportive and welcoming community with our students who are settling into life here here in Cambridge and Somerville. I think that's such important work, bridging the gap between schools and communities. What do you think some of the main reasons are that it's important to engage these students in opportunities outside of school? It's a great question, and and one of the sort of mantras that we stick to is that in Root, one of our goals is to bring the world to students and bring students to the world. I think it's really interesting um, that for a lot of students today, whether they're English language learner immigrant students or not, um, school can sort of be a, a set routine. You go to school, you stay in the building, you memorize your biology, you read your Shakespeare, whatever it is you're doing, and you go home. There might not be a whole lot of interaction with a lot of the really exciting things, whether they're businesses, organizations, programs happening around you. So we think it's really important, especially for our students who are new to our communities. Most in route students have moved to the United States within the last one to three years. 
um, to provide a, a pathway and a bridge to connect them with the really vibrant and exciting things going on. We think it's a really valuable learning experience. So sort of on that concrete level of, of improving English, we think there's a lot of language learning and cultural learning that happens and can happen better outside of a classroom. And also in terms of that, that sense of confidence and belonging, we think it's really important not only that students feel comfortable in their schools and with each other, but also in their neighborhoods and in their communities. So we think it's really important for that reason, for both the skill building, the English learning, but also the confidence building and the sense that I might be somewhat new to this country. I've arrived in the last couple of years and I know my neighborhood. I know what's going on. I know people here uh, and I know that they support me. Um, so we, we think that's a, a really great and important thing to do. And I'm happy to speak a little bit more about the concrete ways we do that. It's largely through internships, field trips, and guest speakers and seminars. So I'm also happy to speak a little more to that. Thanks. That's great. I'm glad you just mentioned those examples. I've spent a fair amount of time on Enroot's website at enrooteducation.org, and I encourage people to take a look. One thing I really liked in the website was the visual of a week in the life of an Enroot student. It describes some of the pieces you just referenced, like the mentorship and the internship. Could you walk our listeners through the experience of an Enroot student? I know there's probably not one strict path, but maybe just give us an idea of what it looks like for students. Sure, I'd be happy to. So you're quite right that every Enroot student's experience is a little different, but there is sort of a typical uh, experience if students are taking advantage of all the pieces of the program, which are mentoring, tutoring, a professional internship, and a weekly workshop. So I'll tell you about one student in Somerville to, to illustrate that. And for the sake of this recording, I'll call him Raul. Uh, so Raul has been with our Somerville program. This is now his second year. Uh, he goes to school full-time like any high school student. He also works on the weekends at a, in a restaurant. During the week, the way his in-route life looks, on Mondays after school, he finishes at 2.30. The bell rings, uh, has a couple hours off to get a snack, do some homework, go to the gym. He then goes to an internship at an organization called Parkour Generations, which is here in Somerville. They're based out of Brooklyn Boulders. And there for two hours on, on Monday afternoon, he's learning the skills of parkour. He's learning coaching skills. He's learning computer skills for all the information management that organization does. On Tuesday, he meets with a tutor. So he had requested uh, some help with his Algebra 2 class. So he meets once a week with a tutor to get some study skill support and help with his algebra. On Wednesday, he heads back to his internship after school for two more hours of, of professional development and work. And then on Thursday, he'll join us for our Enroute seminar. So on, on Thursday afternoons, we get our students together in a big group. We focus on community building and career skills. We go on field trips to colleges. He'll join us for that hour and a half uh, this week, for example, we're going on a career visit to Machu Picchu Restaurant to learn about uh, what it's like to own a restaurant, manage a restaurant. And then Thursday evenings, he'll meet with his mentor. Um, the mentoring relationship at Enroot is a really flexible one, but essentially that person is there to be a supporter, a friend, and a guide. Raul and his mentor have a, a pretty close relationship. They often meet at the school, but then head out. Uh, they might go play soccer together, get a meal together. They might start looking at colleges, roles a junior, so start the college research process. And he'll meet with his mentor until 7.30 on a Thursday. Friday, we give most students a day off. So uh, Roel will just have his typical load of, of school on Friday and then head to work uh, at his job over the weekend. That's pretty impressive. And it sounds like students like Raul have a, a full plate. 
there does seem to be a good balance of the structure you provide and the student's agency to choose their own path. Could you speak a little to that point? Absolutely. I think it's a real strength of the program. I'm glad you put your finger on it. Um, really, there's no one size fits all. I think anyone who, who has worked in education absolutely knows that. I think anyone who's worked with people in any capacity really knows that there's no uh, one thing that everyone wants or everyone needs. And that's that's certainly the case with our students. So what we've done in Enroute is put in a program structure that we really think works, that, that offers students opportunities to um, build some build some career skills, build confidence, work on their English, but also give them a lot of flexibility that if they feel that they want or need a particular thing, they can really pursue that. So ways that that happens, I think a, a prime example is that mentoring relationship that we tell students and we tell mentors that at the end of the day, that mentor is there to be a friend, a supporter, and a guide. And the relationship can look a lot different based on, on that student's interest. So we have a lot of pairs who, who really have a friendship that they meet, they play games, uh, board games or soccer, they might explore the area, go see movies. We have pairs who work on the college process exploring what after high school could look like. Um, we have pairs who meet with the student's family. And so it's not only a relationship between the student and the mentor, but also the mentor and the family. That relationship is really open so that the student can pursue what they're interested in. Um, we try to, to bring in that student choice in other areas of the program as well. Um, one of those areas is the internship. We have a variety of different internships that students can choose from and let us know what their top interest is so that we can hopefully put them at a site where they're going to be learning about the kind of work environment that they might be interested in. Tutoring is another one of those areas. It's not strictly required for students. If they feel like they're doing well in school and don't need the academic support, great. If they feel like they want that or if their grades are sort of are slipping there, we provide them with a tutor and some guidance, but really largely let the student and tutor navigate what the priorities are for that student's learning. Yeah, I think the balance between structure and agency is such a key component to any high quality educational experience. And it really sounds like you have it pretty dialed in. So Enroute's reach is, is really impressive. Students from 24 countries, 120 volunteers supporting the work, 27 career panelists. The list goes on and on from when I last checked the website. This kind of collaboration has proven to be difficult for lots of schools and communities. So I'm curious to know, how have you built this network of support? Where did you start and, and how does it all kind of get created and developed and implemented? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, and I think the shortest answer is it's a process. <laughs> and it's all built on relationships, which don't happen overnight. So in Cambridge, the program has actually been in Cambridge Ringin Latin School and in the city of Cambridge for over 20 years now. It was founded by our program director there, Sandra Cañas. And it, the program was born between a collaboration with uh, the city of Cambridge and what was then called Cambridge Community Services, we're now called Enroute. Um, and so it, it really was born from a need and a shared desire on the part of the city and this nonprofit to find ways for students at that time, largely Salvadoran uh, students who had just moved to Cambridge to really connect with the city and feel at home and become part of the city. Um, it was started as an internship program to get students involved in city work and city offices. And in fact, many of our students who, who did their internship in the city of Cambridge now do work there. Um, so I think how that network of support was built with the communities. One, it, it was a shared desire and need to make this happen. Two, it, it was time. You know, 
lots of, of the relationships started small with a small number of internships in Cambridge and have grown. For many years, the program only worked with about 15 students, now works with about 80 students in Cambridge. So I, I think it's time and relationship building. Certainly in Somerville, that's what we've seen where the program is much newer. We kicked off uh, last year in 2016, so this is our second year, and have really found that going into a new community where we already had some partners and relationships we'd built from our work in Cambridge, and then and then being out there to build those relationships. So going to community events, going to group meetings, building those partnerships so that as we move into our second and third years and start serving more students in Somerville, we have those relationships in place to say, you know, hey, this, this professional works with a friend who knows you and knows your program. We're really interested in working with one of your interns. Can we talk about that? So I think it's, it's a process of being present in our communities, of, of being um, open to what communities say they want and need, not arriving with exactly our model and doing it exactly how we do it, but really being present, being learners as we step into the space and building those relationships over time. Sure. And, and as you build those relationships in the community, I'm curious to hear what the reaction has been from the organizations that you work with for internships, career guidance, higher education, and any of the other initiatives um, you're working on. What has been their reaction? In general, I would say in an overwhelmingly positive way. I think Cambridge and Somerville are known for being uh, very welcoming communities, very progressive communities. And I think when they hear about what Enroute does, they they're excited about it and oftentimes want to be a part of it in whatever capacity is works for them. It, it's not always a fit for for something like a concrete internship. I think a lot goes into that, you know, to have a strong internship. You really do need someone on on a team who's ready to be a professional mentor because these are high school students who are in the process of learning English who've never had a professional experience who need support and need someone who goes into that role ready to dedicate that time to that student's development so that's not always a fit off the bat but regardless of whether something like an internship comes of that partnership I think most city offices, most organizations, really without exception, have been really excited and welcoming to Enroute and, and to the kind of work that we're doing. And how about the families of students you're working with? Have they been involved in any way? Are they learning from their children? It's a great question. And what I would say is right now we do not do a lot of family engagement. We certainly think it's important that families know what Enroute is, what their child is doing. You know, we walk through the, the week of a typical student earlier, and, and four days a week, students are often busy after school with the Enroute program. So we do think it's really important that parents and families at least know what their student is doing and ideally really deeply understand it and support it. That said, we haven't done a lot of outreach and engagement with families, and there are a number of, of reasons, which I think mostly boil down to it's hard. Families are busy. It's, it's hard to connect with work schedules. Families speak a lot of different uh, languages. I was looking through my Somerville group. We've got about 34 kids right now, and I think it's at 12 different languages. So our capacity to connect with families can be limited uh, in terms of language. So it's it's something that we're certainly interested in increasing because we do think it is a, a really valuable and important piece. But I would say right now is is pretty limited. So I wouldn't go so far as to say that families are learning from children in any way. Um, ideally, they're, they're supportive and informed about what's going on. But beyond that, we haven't brought them into the program in a very central way. 
Well, I will say that I had the opportunity to speak with two students who participate in the program, and they both mentioned how their families were really excited that they could be a part of it, even though they, they might have been too busy to kind of be fully involved in what their students were doing. So that's a really good thing. I think so, and that's certainly what we're going for. I think a, a main place where we do um, invite families in and often have families join us is at our end-of-year celebration, which we hold each year, um, and, and invite families to that, and I think that's traditionally been an exciting and, and really beautiful time when families can come in and celebrate the, the great work of their students and see this community sort of wrapped around their student and, by extension, their family of, of volunteers, of, of different folks from their community who really believe in these students and support them. So I think that can be um, really a, a, a visually beautiful place where you can see those connections being built and where you can see that family engagement and excitement coming into play. Great, thanks. Well, as you know, our ELL community believes strongly that diversity in language and culture is an asset to our schools and community. How do you see that philosophy playing out in your programs? Uh, in a big way is the, is the shortest answer there. I think a really interesting part of, of the program in Cambridge and Somerville is that it reflects the students who are in those high schools, and those students come from a lot of different countries. So pretty consistently, students report one of their favorite pieces of the program being connecting with other students. Uh, what I remember in my first year in Somerville, one of the students saying thoughtfully to me, we're on a field trip on a bus somewhere. And he said, you know, Anna, my favorite part of En Route is family. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, it feels like a family here. And this was a student who, you know, was from Haiti. One of his best friends in the program was from India. Another was from Tibet. And so I think the schools themselves and the communities of Cambridge and Somerville provide a really rich and exciting opportunity for students to connect with each other, regardless of the country they're from and their first language. And within Root, that, that certainly plays out, that I think we really encourage students to connect with, with others in the room, with others in the school. And I think they and we view that as a really exciting and important part of the program um, and, and a learning experience for sure. Yeah, and that those relationships extend beyond the school day is wonderful as well. I think that's great. So one of the main many reasons why we were so excited to have you on as a guest is so that we can share this really positive experience with others. Um, not everyone, though, can take advantage of working with organizations like Enroot at this point. But how would you recommend schools and communities begin the process of working together to help students like the ones you serve? How can they begin the work of kind of bridging the gap between what goes on in the schools and what goes on in the communities and sort of opening up those two worlds to one another? That's a great question. Uh, and I don't think I have a simple answer for it um, because I think so much can be dependent on the school and on the community and the kinds of organizations that are there, what they have to offer, the interest and capacity. I think one thing that is is pretty clear from where I sit is that goodwill alone is not enough. And I think people people know that. And it's always a question of capacity, who has the time, who has the resources. But I think if a school is really interested in engaging with the community or an organization within, within the community is interested in engaging with a school, it really takes either someone at one of those organizations or a third party like en route to come in and, and bring 
um, the questions to ask to make sure that those partnerships will be strong, the time to organize and support. So I think any any school or community that's really interested in, in building those kinds of connections really needs to think about who can can spend the time and really invest in that um, to make those those ambitions and those goals uh, bear fruit. I do think it's becoming more common that schools are partnering with outside organizations to kind of extend their reach. I'm seeing that in conversations that I'm having with people. And you, I think you said it really well, that goodwill alone is not enough. And that's where we start to see people starting to do some pretty creative things to establish good partnerships. I think so. And I, and I think it is, as you say, something that's becoming of increasing interest to folks. And rightly so, there's so many exciting things happening uh, in Boston and Cambridge and Somerville and these other gateway communities around us. So many great opportunities for students to engage and vice versa for people who work at these different organizations to engage with our schools. So I think it is something that's growing and and is a really exciting uh, future. So as we begin to wrap up, uh, how can individuals or organizations learn how they can get involved with Enroot? Yeah, I'd say the first place to go is the website. Check us out, uh, www.enrooteducation.org. Take a look at us. Um, feel free to reach out. Uh, you'll see, I, I think staff contacts are right on there. So if there's something that you want to learn more about, reach out to us. There's there's a page on our website if you're interested in volunteering. That can be a great way to start to fill out a volunteer intake form uh, to see if, if you might be interested in mentoring, tutoring, or let us know about another scalar opportunity that you could bring. I think that's the best place to go, and we're always happy to connect with anyone who'd like to learn more. Great, and I definitely encourage people to visit the website. Uh, there's a lot of really good information there. I also I always like to ask people to share any books or other resources that may have had an important influence. Um, so is there anything that you might want to share that's been important to you personally or professionally? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I don't have a go-to resource or book. I think the the most powerful one for me and probably for most people who work in this space is really the kids I work with and the coworkers are are the ones who've had the biggest impact on me and who daily shape my thinking about who they are, who I am, and how we work together in this space. So certainly I think the people uh, around me have been the biggest um, influencers on me. And, and in that sense, I would say if folks are interested in, in learning more, do look for a way to connect. I think uh, I, like many people, learn best with people. And so look for ways to volunteer. Look for ways to go to a community meeting or festival and really connect with people who you might not have connected with otherwise. And a lot of learning can happen in that space. Uh, in a more traditional sense, there's a book I read pretty recently, I think it's fairly new, called The Far Away Brothers uh, by Lauren Markham. So anyone who's interested in learning about uh, young students moving to the U.S. from other countries, coming to the U.S. from other countries, I, I'd recommend that book because it, it really blends the story and the human aspect with some facts and figures about immigration to the U.S., particularly of young people in these days. So I'd recommend that book as anyone who's interested, for anyone who's interested in, in this topic of, of English language learners and immigrant students who are new to the country. Great. Well, I appreciate you both recommending the book and the philosophy of putting yourself out there and learning from the people around you. That's certainly something that has been important to me in both my role as a teacher and my current position now. I learn an incredible amount from speaking with people like you and others. So I, I just want to conclude by saying that I really appreciate what you do and what Enroot does. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. 
And I certainly hope our listeners walk away with not only an understanding of what Enroute does, but also with some ideas about how they might begin to get involved in this kind of work so they can best support their students. Thank you so much for speaking with me, Steve. I really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.